Mike, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia, Tennessee. You're listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning, the show where you gain clarity and understanding on things like last will and testament, the probate process, trusts, and how not to lose everything to the high cost of the nursing home. Now, here's your host, Estate Plan Stand. Hey, good day to you. Good day to you on this April the 8th, 2023. Hey, my name is Stan Prochowski, and this show is called Bulletproof Estate Planning. And I'm your host, Estate Plan Stan. Uh, you know, my name is Stan Prochowski. I'm with the Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law. And we're going to be doing this show on this radio station every Saturday at 7 p.m. And this is a show where we're going to talk about all things that have to do with estate planning, estate planning and elder law. Now, this is my first show here on uh, Columbia Radio or Front Porch, Front Porch Radio. And it's a pretty cool radio station. And I'm, uh, I, I just I like to listen to them. And I'm, I'm just honored to have my own show here in Columbia. So, we'll, like I say, we'll be here with Bulletproof Estate Planning every Saturday evening at 7 p.m. We'll be doing it. It's a weekly show. And we're going to cover a lot of things. You know, there's a lot to cover in estate planning. Uh, you can't do it in one one-hour radio show. So I was going to go over a little bit about what we're going to do over the coming weeks. Because, you know, I intend to talk about the ins and the outs of estate planning and elder law. You know, each, week, each week, we're going to kind of do a deep dive into a topic, you know, and really kind of unpack what, what we're talking about. <clears throat> because I find people have a lot of difficulty finding knowledge and the answers to these questions. I know there's a lot of questions out there. I've heard many of them. And you're having trouble finding answers. And you go to the Internet to try to find out how some of this stuff works and it, you know, everybody and their brother has an opinion, and it's all, oh, it's all over the place. So the intent of this show is to kind of educate you on these topics. You know, it's not, you know, it's not going to be like going to law school. It's not going to be that heavy, but I'm going to educate you on the basics and a basic understanding because before you decide to do any of these estate planning techniques, I mean, you ought to know how they work and what they do so that you can make an informed decision about your family. Decide what's the best fit for you and your family. That's the goal of this. These are, uh, you know, we do a lot of seminars. We call them free educational uh, webinars and seminars that we do. And the, the, the emphasis there is not on free. The emphasis is on education because that's what we're all about. We like to educate people so that you can make your own decisions on what you want or at least be heavily involved in the decision-making process. I want you to know how these things work so, you, you know, you can apply them to your family dynamics and you can say, listen, that's what I want to do right there. I want one of those asset protection trusts or I want the revocable living trust or whatever it is, you know, you will have made an informed decision about it and you're in a much, much better place when you do that. I'm not the kind of an attorney that um, just says, here's what you need, sign here, <clears throat> don't worry about how it works or what it says, okay? Don't do that. So like I say, over the weeks, you know, it's going to be a weekly program for a while. I'm going to talk about all kinds of different topics. Now, you hear the concept of estate planning. That's a real general term, okay? Very general term. And estate planning really covers a lot of stuff. I do estate planning and elder law. So just to give you an idea what we're going to be talking about over, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about, like, 
what a last will and testament is. You know, people have seen that. You've, you know, some of you have one. Everybody's heard of it. You know, you get a last will and testament. We're going to talk about what that is, what it does, what it needs to be. You know, what the formation requirements are to make one, and and what people do sometimes that that make it invalid, and you know what it does and what it doesn't do. We're going to talk about if you have no will at all. What happens if you don't do anything? You know, what if you just you know, somebody goes to an attorney, writes a will, and spends time, energy, and effort for, to write a will. And then what happens if somebody just doesn't do anything? Okay, you know, everybody's going to pass away owning some kind of property. And so what happens to it? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, along with this last will and testament, we're going to talk at length about the, the process called probate. And we're going to talk about how certain techniques are probate avoidance. You know, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but, you know, if you've ever had any experience with probate, any experience at all, whether it was direct or indirect, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I'll bet you it was not a pleasant experience. I'm yet to find somebody that said they went through probate. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Stan, it was a blast. So, yeah, it, it, we can have probate avoidance techniques um, so we don't have to put our heirs through that process. And we'll talk about what probate is. A lot of people say I hear about probate, but I really don't know what it means. Well, we'll talk about it. You know, then we're going to kind of shift and talk about alternatives to writing a last will and testament or having no last will and testament. And that's when we start talking about doing trusts. Now, there's a couple different kinds of trusts. You can do a revocable living trust, which is a grand tool. One good thing about a revocable living trust is that it's a complete 100% probate avoidance technique. That's why people do it. And we do a lot of them. They are great tools. The other kind of trust you can do are what we call special needs trust. You know, and they fall into several categories. So, you know, take us a week or two to cover those. You got your first party special needs trust. Now, that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of people who fund the trust themselves for later in life or for disabilities. Like, you know, you get a, a settlement award from a personal injury lawsuit and you put your own funds into this trust. And then you can have a third party special needs trust. That really deals with things like special needs needs children um, who you're taking care of, and they're funded by you. You know, you make the trust, and it's your money, not the, not the special needs child's money. It's yours. It's the third party. Uh, and we have a, what we call a pooled special needs trust. This is an uh, alternative to the high cost of long care, long-term care where you can put your money in a third party, I mean a first party pooled special needs trust, <clears throat> and we'll go over that to some extent. Also, what we do a lot of is what is called asset protection trusts. Now, these are very unique trusts, and they work great. One of my favorite things to do. But really, when you do an asset protection trust, what we're talking about is a, what I like to say, how not to go broke in the nursing home. An asset protection trust protects property that you own all your life, you know, and you want to protect it. We can put it in an asset protection trust, and that will shield it from the high catastrophic cost of long-term care. Because if you go into the nursing home, the average now is in the neighborhood of $9,000 a month. It varies a little bit, but it's it's exorbitantly expensive. And so, you know, if you get stuck paying that, I guess you can figure out what you're worth and get your calculator out. You can kind of figure out how long you can withstand that rate of financial bleeding. And so, you know, and usually for most folks, there's an end in sight, okay? I mean, there's only so much water in the well, and when it's gone, it's gone. And the big question is, now what? What happens to me? What happens to the, my healthy spouse who's not in the nursing home? 
is there any money to live off of? And so we talk about asset protection trusts, which are a grand tool because we answer all these questions that you have. And I'm going to tell you right now, everybody listening that's given this a thought has heard of what they call the five-year look-back rule. We'll talk about that. That's very misunderstood. Very misunderstood. You go on the internet and type in five-year look-back rule, and 99% of the stuff you get is wrong. Okay? Now, another thing is this spend-down process, or this concept of only having $2,000 you know, to qualify for, for TenCare, which is our Medicaid program. None of that is true. None of it. And so we'll talk about that when we get into the asset protection. And also we get into that because the next thing we naturally progress into after asset protection is we move into crisis planning. So we do asset protection. We're protecting, I call that pre-planning, meaning we put our assets in uh, trust because we're not in the nursing home and we're not really planning on being there anytime soon. But some folks are in what we call crisis planning where they come to see me and they're already there or a loved one is already in the long-term care. And so now we're in crisis. And so you know we got to get the assets protected. We're trying to get 10 care eligibility. Uh, you know, and so we got to juggle these assets around and, and file the application so to make them eligible so that 10Care will pay for those benefits and take care of that long, that high cost of long-term care. So, you know, those are, that's kind of an overview of what all we talk about. I'll also get into some of the, some specific stuff, specific stuff meaning, you know, if you have, if you're a parent with minor children or, you know, if you're a grandparent and you have adult children that have minor children, you know, there's an aspect of estate planning that I think is overlooked is the nomination of guardianship. You know, we want to name guardians for those folks so that if anything happens to us, the parent, you know, these children won't go into some kind of protective custody. I mean, not even for a minute. We want to avoid that no matter what. So we have our children's protection plan we talked about um, uh, to prevent that, the guardianship program. So there's just a whole lot to this concept of estate planning. It, and it's not just writing a will which a lot of people think. There's a lot to it. So whatever boat you're in, okay, here's one thing I want to make clear. As, as, I, as I do this show every Saturday night at 7 o'clock, as I do it, I'm going to progress through these topics. And if you're sitting there right now listening to me and you're thinking, well, I really want to know about this crisis planning because Ann Gertrude just went into the nursing home and we're worried about what's going to happen to everything she owns. Okay, if you're actually in one of these situations and you really can't wait, or you have a real need before waiting till we naturally get to those during the show, uh, by all means, give me a call, okay? Give me a call at Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law, at 931-363-7222. And we'll talk about that. We can You can schedule what we call a 15-minute phone call. And, uh, of course, you know that, I always say that's 15 lawyer minutes, right? <laughs> it's, it's not real 15 minutes. Uh, it usually works into about 30 or 45 most times, so... But uh, what's good about these 15-minute phone calls is uh, my, my staff will schedule that. So if you call me at 10 o'clock in the morning, you're not likely to get past the staff and get me on the phone because uh, there's a high probability I'm doing something. And they're not going to disturb that because what I'm doing has already been scheduled for me to do. But they will set you know, later that day or possibly the next in relatively close proximity of time a call back. And they'll put it on the calendar. Now, what, what's good about that for you is when I call you back, so let's say, okay, he'll call you back tomorrow at, or late, later this afternoon at 4 o'clock, 4.30. When I call back, that is that time is dedicated to you and your question because you're not getting me in the middle of something. You're not getting me you know, 
when my attention's not focused. When I call you, I will have read the notes that the, the girls take when they schedule these things, and I'll be prepared to hear what you have to say, and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about your specific circumstances during that call. And we don't charge for that. I mean, so I offer that time freely, so take advantage of that. I'm more than happy to do it. You know, I don't charge for those calls because I don't know if I'm going to help you or not. And I'm not going to charge anybody for anything unless I'm of value to them. And I don't know that I am in those short calls. But we can discuss whether or not there's things we can do and whether or not we need to meet to get those things in place. So anyway, you know, so again, if you're, you know, here's one of the things I, I experience. Everybody wants to know about this concept of how do I keep the nursing home from getting all my stuff, right? That's a biggie. And I, I'm more than happy to talk about that as soon as I can talk about it. But there's some prerequisites you really have to understand if you really want to understand how this works. Because I'm telling you, what your neighbor said, what Joe across the street has told you, don't act upon, don't rely upon. It's not correct. Now, I'm not being ugly to Joe. He doesn't know any better. He probably got his information off the Internet or he talked to somebody. And there's lots we can do. People come in my office all the time and say, you know, again, Gertrude's in the home. I guess we're just going to lose everything. I, just, there's, I guess there's just nothing we can do. We are just SOL. And that is not true. There's lots of things we can do in crisis planning. Lots. You would be amazed at what we can do and save property. We can save tons of property. But the reason I can't just jump right into that is because, you know, the solution to that is, is a trust or the crisis planning is a, the different strategies we use. And you sort of have to get a little bit of understanding leading up to that. So I can't just fast track in, into it. Uh, although I do like talking about that. That is a popular topic. Uh, you know, the most popular question I get asked at my seminars, at my family vision meetings, and whenever people ask me to come speak at their church, at the bank, uh, at their business, to their employees, every time I go somewhere, the most popular question by far that I get in one form or another, is how do I keep the nursing home from getting everything I've worked for all my life? And that, my friends, is a very, very valid question. <clears throat> because, you know, you've been working, you've been paying for this all your life. You've been paying for TenCare with every paycheck you ever got. And the courts have acknowledged that. They say this is an entitlement to you. These benefits are entitled. It's not a welfare system. Now, there is a part of TenCare that is welfare, but I don't even deal with that. I deal with Medicaid uh, 10-care, long-term care payment. And that is not welfare. It is an entitlement. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. You know, how did, it get into, how did it get to that status? So if you've been paying for it all your life, I don't blame you, and I encourage you to not be too crazy about paying for it now because all of a sudden you have the unfortunate circumstance that you need long-term care and you need to go into a facility, right? So... There's no reason to have to pay them everything you worked for all your life because literally you're paying them both. But if you don't know how to, to rearrange the assets, they'll, you'll never be eligible because they'll tell you you just have to spend everything. You just have to spend it down until it's gone. Okay. And then you'll qualify. That, is, that does not have to be that way. Okay. That's just a little tidbit on you know what we talk about when we get into crisis planning. There's... If you can listen to this with an open mind and not be closed-minded because of what your buddy said or what your brother-in-law who lives off in Ohio and another set of different rules told you about it, if you'll be open-minded, you are going to be amazed. And if I can 
if I can tell you, you can save 100% of all your assets while your wife or your husband is in the nursing home, would that get your attention? I mean, would that interest you? You bet it would. And I'm, I'm sure it would. So you would, you know, that's what we talk about. There's ways to do that. You just haven't heard of them. Most people in this crisis situation are scared to death because they're just going to lose everything. It's like we're going to lose everything. It's gone forever. We'll never see it again. We are just out of luck. And they usually leave my office somewhat relieved, if not absolutely elated with smiling faces and you know, you know, color comes back to their face because there's, there is something we can do. We're not going to lose everything. We don't have to. But you have to do something. It doesn't happen by itself. Nothing happens automatically. So you've got to do something. You know, we, we put in a little effort getting this eligibility process. We get the people eligible. We save all the assets, keep them in the family. <clears throat> and that is what everybody wants. And that is what we do. So, okay, that's kind of a big old overview of what we're going to do in the coming weeks. Uh, if you're interested in um, listening to that or if you have a specific interest in one of these topics, try to catch it. I'll try to announce ahead of time as best I can. Uh, what we'll be doing in the the weeks coming up after each show. Sometimes it's hard to to, uh, <clears throat> to gauge it because uh, you know I get questions, I go over questions, I go over some current events, <clears throat> talk about things that are happening in this office as good examples. Especially when I see a case that comes in and it looks real typical, and people have questions, and people a lot, a lot of times ask the same questions. So when people ask the same question of me, that tells me that almost everybody's got the same question. So I occasionally bring up questions that I get all the time um, to to clear up some confusion. Again, this educational component. So that's what this show is all about. It's purely educational. And, you know, I love doing it. I love doing it. I've been doing this for a while. And, you know, that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about me here in just a minute. We're going to have a break coming up. And after that break, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. Because if you're going to listen to me on this show, I mean, you'd like to know you're listening to some voice of authority, right? And so you don't know me, uh, you just hear me for the first time tonight. And I'm going to go over a little bit about me so that you know who it is you're listening to. And hopefully that will help. So, all right, so that's, you know, that's the show. It's Bulletproof Estate Planning. We're going to be doing it every Saturday night at uh, 7 p.m. It's an hour-long show. And it's going to be really interesting. I think you're going to like it. Give it a try because I think you will be amazed at some of the stuff we talk about. Again, please give me that open mind uh, because we are going to solve some problems that probably most of you did not know or did not think were even solvable. Okay? Now, that's a big deal. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back. What I'm doing is I'm relaying it to you. And I want you to know. Uh, I want you to know because you're entitled to know. I'm not the kind of attorney that just keeps it under my hat and says, listen, I'll take care of it. You don't need to know anything about it. Just let me do it. I never have been that way. I've always been a solo practice because I don't play well with others, and so I just do my own thing. And I think education is a big, big part of that. The more informed my clients are, the more involved, the more in the loop, the more uh, in, they make intelligent decisions because they got the facts and the knowledge to understand what they're making decisions about. I mean, that just makes so much common sense. I can't see doing it any other way. So, okay, listen, stay with me. We're coming up on break number one here on the first show of Bulletproof Estate Planning. 
so stay with me on Bulletproof Estate Planning. I am your host, Estate Plan Stan, and we will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. By now, you all know about Don, our service truck guy. Well, let me tell you about another member of our service team, and that's Mike Ashley. He's the guy you'll talk to when you call the office. Just call and talk to Mike one time at 931-540-0919, and you'll see why we're lucky to have him here at the Garbage Man. Thanks, Mike, for all you do to keep the Garbage Man first in service. That's 931-540-0919. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. Caledonian Financial is a full-service financial planning firm. What we mean by that is we work with young clients, assisting budgeting and Ross, young families with college planning, life and disability insurance, older clients as they bring in 401k rollovers, seek advice with estate and tax planning, and finally with elderly clients when it comes to the distribution phase of their retirement and long-term care options. This is Marianne Stevick with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Are you looking for a fun event to take the family to? Harmon Scrap Metal is hosting an Easter egg hunt on April 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Woodland Park in the Fallen Heroes Shelter. This will be fun for the whole family. We will have food trucks, prizes, and photos with the Easter Bunny. Come on out and support local. Start times vary by age. Visit our Facebook page, Harmon Scrap Metal, for more information. Hey, this is Lewis Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in Middle Tennessee, 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia. All right. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back from the break. You are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning, and I am your host, Estate Plan Stan. Hey, listen, we were talking on the first segment about what this show is going to consist of. Because remember I said this is a, my, uh, my first show here on 101.7 and we're looking forward to, you know, having a relationship with this radio station and being able to bring this information to you over time. And I kind of discussed what I think or what my intentions are to, to cover topic-wise as we go forward. And it'll take several weeks, if not months, to get through all this the first time. So um, 
anyway, so I told you when we come back from the break, you know, I talk a little bit about me. And the reason I do that, because you know, this will be the, probably the last time I talk about me unless somebody asks. But um, the reason is, you know, you hear me on the radio. You may not know me. You may not have heard of me. Uh, and you're thinking, okay, who's this guy? And how do we know he knows what he's talking about? Well, I guess the answer is you don't know. You have to do your own homework uh, to see if I'm somebody you want to talk to. But, you know, as you listen to me on this show, I think it should become apparent to you that I, I do know what I'm talking about. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of backstory on me. Just a little bit of my story. And that's it. Uh, you know, I uh, I own and operate the Prochowski Estate Law, LLC, and uh, Elder Law Law Practice in Pulaski, Tennessee. My office is located right here on the square in uh, downtown Pulaski. Now, elders, you know, estate planning and elder law is what I do. But this, this concept of being an attorney uh, is a second career for me, Okay. You know, when I got out of college, I spent 20 years as an engineer. Okay, I, you know, went to the college and uh, in, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I went to college there, and then I went out to California, and went to grad school there. Please don't judge me. That was because I was in California for a while. That <laughs> I, um, I was uh, out there in the late 70s, early 80s. I mean, it was anyway. So, uh, I, you know, I graduated. I was in nuclear engineering. I was in a nuclear power business for 20 years. And, all, you know, that may sound impressive, but all it really means was I generated electricity for one utility or another for those years, and, and I loved it. I mean, I love being an engineer. I'm very technical. I have a very technical mind. I love to build things, okay? And I am a, that makes me a stickler for details and rules, okay? So when I, you know, when I get into law, you know, I'm, I'm just a – I'm just – adamant about knowing and understand the rules, the rules of evidence, the rules of procedure, and how things work. And that has been very, made me very successful in my law career. So, you know, I actually, you know, uh, before I get into how things progressed in my practice of law, you know, I love to build things. And I actually built my own house, and I made it all self-sufficient, which was interesting. Uh, You know, I was in nuclear power, we generated electricity for one for one utility or the other. And even back then, you know, this would have been, gosh, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 78 through 98. Okay, back in 78, you know, I, I would, you know, I always came to the conclusion that electricity someday was going to be a luxury for the for the rich. <laughs> um, even back then, I, you can see some writing on the wall, right? Uh, I'm not going to get political or anything like that. <clears throat> but uh you know, things are changing and there's no doubt about that. So uh, when I, you know, I always wanted to build my own house. So I educate myself on how, on building construction. And when the, in 1990, I kind of repri- retired to private life for just a few um, years to build my house. Okay. And I did. And it's a nice house and it's self-sufficient. I mean, I generate my own electricity. I have my own um, heating and cooling system, my own subsurface disposal, fire suppression um, you name it, it's all self-sufficient, and it's pretty neat. It operates, uh, it's kind of fun to operate it. Uh, it takes a little bit of maintenance sometimes, which can be aggravating, but uh, nonetheless, you know, when the lights go out, I have power, and when uh, other things become unavailable, I have a provisions in place to do it myself. So anyway, I'm not going to talk much about that. It just kind of tells you who I am. I'm the kind of person, when I set out to do something, 
the job gets done. I'm not very flighty, and I say, you know what, I'm going to build this 5,000-square-foot house. It's going to take me a couple of years, and it did. It took me six years to build this thing. I uh, pretty much did all of it myself, but, you know, there's sometimes you have to hire some help because, you, you know, uh, you need labor. But, uh, you know, I designed it. We, My wife and I drew up the plans, and then I incorporated all the electrical and uh, the stuff that needs to, that supports my self-sufficient system. So anyway, we live out in the country, and we love it. But uh, back in the mid-'80s or so, <clears throat> I sort of developing – I kind of developed an interest in law. And it's hard to explain, but it was kind of catch-as-catch-can, if you know what I mean. I would – I would develop uh, an interest and I'd read something about it uh, uh, and then I'd get an interest somewhere else, so maybe completely unrelated, and I'd read about up on it as best I could. Now, remember, this is back before the internet. So when you wanted to read up on something, you had to go to the library, okay? But, uh, you know, no real formal education of any kind, just no training of any kind, just whatever interests me. And there was a lot of things at the time. But anyway, uh, I, I became very interested in it. And then, you know, leading up to 1998, you know, they got this law school in Nashville called the Nashville School of Law. And it still is, I think, but it used to be exclusively a night program back then. And I sort of did some work for myself. You know, you can't just retire and not do anything. So it was kind of difficult to consider going to law school during the day. But I came across the Nashville School of Law with the night program. And I thought, that seems pretty cool. So I applied. And they accepted me. So I went there. I went to school between 98 and 02. And I graduated in 2002. And although I got a lot of offers from big law firms, I mean, I was, I was top of my class. I, uh, I was pretty good at it. I was definitely senior in my class. You know, <laughs> that was, <laughs> some of you might be able to relate to that, but I was like the uh, senior person in the class. And, uh, you know, that, that gave me some advantages, gave me a few disadvantages, but it gave me some advantages, you know, when everybody else in the class was terrified from the intimidating law instructor, you know, I really didn't care whether he was intimidating or not. I was there to ask questions and he was going to give me the answers to him whether he wanted to or not. So so uh, anyway, so I, I got out of school and I'm the kind of attorney that I, I, I was top of my class. And so I got a lot of offers from law firms. But that didn't interest me. I, you know, I would just decide I was going to hang up my own shingle. And they told me, don't do that. You can make so much more money. But, you know, joined in a group and I wasn't interested in that. I just, I, I kind of marched on my own drum. And so that's what I wanted to do. So I opened up uh, what was then called just a Prochowski Law Firm. And I practiced law for, you know, about 10 or 12 years. What I did was uh, exclusively criminal defense work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Like I said, don't judge me, okay? Uh, I, but I did criminal defense trial work. And I think the reason I kind of gravitated toward that was because, you know, there's not many trial attorneys these days. Uh, most things are settled. You don't go to trial very much. And I love to go to jury trial. Uh, I, I did quite a few up, you know, right here in Columbia. So maybe some of you were on my jury. I don't know. Did a lot of high profile, high egregious cases, murders, you know, some, you know, the rapes, post-conviction, things like that, that real high profile. And I want to tell you, I was pretty successful at it. I was pretty successful at trials. And one of the reasons I credit that to is my, my uh, staunchness and my particular attention to details and the rules. And I would really win a trial because I would keep my – I would beat my opponent over the head with the rules of evidence and they couldn't get their evidence in. And so they couldn't prevail because the, either the court or the jury couldn't, couldn't evaluate their evidence because I would somehow find a way to keep it inadmissible. 
which is makes you a successful trial attorney. Now, I did that for a long time, about 10 years, maybe, you know, and somewhat for 12 as I was converting into what I, I do now. But it was exciting. It was very exciting, you know, and I was pretty good. Like I said, I was good at it. And I liked, you know, I liked being, I liked thinking on my feet. I liked the excitement. I liked the, uh, the high risk, all that stuff. And again, I think the, the engineer that makes me such a stickler for details, that was a big help to me. But at the end of the day of all this practice in law, I kind of felt like, you know, I, di- I just didn't really have a real sense of accomplishment. You know, a lot of times I would get people out of jail and I'd do a good job at that. But, you know, it seems like a lot of times before the ink was even dry on the judgment, they were back in jail for another reason. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of ask yourself, am I contributing to society? And, you know, I... Deep down, I want to be, you know, I want to, I want my existence to be meaningful in some way. And it just didn't seem to get there. It was meaningful to me because I like doing it, but uh, it's a society, you know, maybe not. So, um, so I started feeling like I wanted to leave criminal law. And I wasn't sure for a little while what else I would do. I looked into other stuff and I played with it just for a little bit and it, some of it just bored me to tears. And uh, I couldn't find anything. But I think what really started my migration into this area, this area of estate planning, was you know back while I was doing criminal defense work in, in 2004 when my mother passed away. All right? Then later on in about 2009, my father passed away. And, of course, they lived up in Pennsylvania. I had migrated down here you know, 35 years ago. And uh, I've been down here for a while, but they were up in Pennsylvania. And after my father passed away, you know, my youngest sister – was made the executor of his estate. And like I said, that was up in Pennsylvania. And believe it or not, this estate of my, of my father and my parents, it took it, it was in probate for two years and four months. I mean, that's right. I, I said two years and four months. Now, as this was going on, you know, I was a practicing attorney, so I would speak to my sister from time to time. You know, I'd give her a call up and I'd, I'd make inquiry and I'd say, you know, what's going on? You know, and what's happening with the estate? And it seemed like I could never get a straight answer. I mean, it wasn't like my sister was withholding anything from me. She didn't have the answer to give me, right? So, you know, I wouldn't get anything. So I, there was a couple of things that were going on and I wanted to, I wanted to talk to the attorney. And it just so happened I knew the guy, right? He went to school. I went to the same school as him. Uh, he was a couple of years ahead of me, but I knew who he was. And I called him and was asking him some questions. And he got a little bit, I don't know, irate with me for asking these questions. And to be honest with you, I got, I got so darn mad at the guy, I hung up the phone on him. Now, if you get to know me, you will know that it's very unlike me to do something like hang the phone up on somebody. I just don't, I just don't have that personality. So, and I thought to myself, I thought, how can something so simple be so cumbersome. Okay, now we're not talking about a big estate, all right? My mom and dad, you know, they had a house. They had their home. They had some money in the bank. My dad used to dabble just a little bit in stocks, but not much. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. He always thought silver mines were going to take off, and he had a little bit of Coeur d'Alene mining stock, stuff like that. But it wasn't hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, maybe 20000 or something worth in all these stocks. But no, the point is the estate wasn't really all that remarkable. Standard assets, Nothing, you know, not like offshore accounts in the Cayman Islands where you got to jump through uh, foreign jurisdictional hoops and stuff like that. Just simple stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world can something so simple be made so cumbersome? And I, and I came to the conclusion. I remember I said to my wife, I said, surely to gosh, 
This has to be malpractice. It just has to be. Nothing can be so screwed up as dragging this thing out over two years when there's so simple what needs to be done. I said it has to be malpractice. There's no other, there's no other solution. Well, that started me down this road, and I wanted to look into what happens here in Tennessee. And so I, you know, I look into this, you know, you know, the, this process of estate planning, this process of probate, which was just uh, probate is not part of estate planning. It's really kind of a byproduct of it, and kind of an unwanted byproduct. But it is a result of estate planning, and most of the case, the result of the lack of estate planning. But nonetheless, I looked into this probate process and this concept of how to avoid it or estate planning. And you know what? I came to the conclusion that the attorney in Pennsylvania, that was not malpractice at all. It was not. Turns out it was common practice. I mean, this is how probate works. And it works this way by procedure, which was amazing to me. I mean, this probate process, I mean, it is a procedural process that is riddled with deadlines, duties, obligations, all kind of stuff. And it just amazed me that that was the case. So I, I dug into how it's done here in Tennessee, like I said. And I, I'll tell you what, I did not like what I found out. Now, I will say that compared to ten, uh, Pennsylvania, Tennessee is what we call a probate-friendly state because, I mean, by golly, it only takes an average of 12 to 16 months here in Tennessee to get through a probate estate. It took an average of over two years up there. So maybe that's a bright side to it, if there is a bright side. So, uh, you know, so so we're, we're at least probate-friendly compared to some other states. But anyway, as I got further and further into this, I'm going to tell you what. I, I don't know how else to say this, but I was literally drawn to this area of the law. I, you know, I, I might say I might go as far as to say it was I was divinely inspired, but um, maybe that's too strong. But I was def it was definitely a calling, and I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. It was just it was a motivating factor. And I'm going to tell you what. If you know when you talk about estate planning and trust writing, I remember learning a little bit about that in law school, and I thought, man, that stuff would bore an idiot, right? Uh, th there was nothing to that. I didn't even want to have anything to do with it. But as I started, to, <laughs> uh, as I started down that path, I I was just so attracted to what was going on. I just couldn't let it go. So what I did was I slowly weaned out of um, this criminal defense practice that I was doing, and I started converting over into estate planning. You know, or you know, sometimes I call it wealth planning. Asset protection, wealth preservation, trust writing, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot to it. As I mentioned in the first segment, there's a lot to estate planning. But, um, and you know, you don't flick a switch and stop doing uh, criminal defense work and start doing estate planning overnight. So there was probably a full two year overlap, you know. And some of my, some of the high egregious profile uh, cases I have, like the murder cases, you know, I get assigned to do them one day and they're not, they're, we finally get to trial two years later. So I had a lot of overlap there, and I slowly – I just didn't take on any new ones, okay? I didn't take on any new criminal cases. And I just slowly finished up the ones I had as I slowly gained knowledge and started taking on estate planning clients. And so that's how I switched and got into this area of law, and I'm glad I do. I'm glad I was called to this because now I feel like I actually help people, okay? I mean I actually – you know, for the last 10 years, 8 to 10 years – I mean, this is all I've been doing. I've been doing exclusively estate planning. And I love it. I mean, I'm telling you, I love it to death. And I think it's very rewarding because now I'm finally doing a service for my clients. You know, I'm doing getting my clients' needs and their wants. 
I want to tell you something. I, heck, I even get thank you cards from my clients now. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I didn't get too many thank you notes from my criminal clients. Well, I got a lot of notes. You know, they weren't always thank yous. Although, I, you know, be honest, I did get some thank you notes. You know, sometimes when you get somebody that's facing, you know, 10, 12 years in prison and I get them one or two years or even better, a probationary sentence or a suspended sentence, I mean, I would get a big old thank you note. But again, you know, that's, you know, a great feat of legal work, but it's like I just don't feel like it was – getting anywhere. And so I, I wasn't really fed up with it. And I didn't, I can't say I had enough of criminal work. I just wanted, had an overwhelming compulsion to move into something different. And like I said, I stumbled around. I couldn't find anything that just, you know, floated my boat, so to speak, or, and I, until I, until this thing with my parents up in Pennsylvania. And that was a very distasteful, um, circumstance. I, you know, it's, I can't, it's fine, hard to believe that I got attracted to this with all the stuff I had to go through with that up there. But we did and we moved forward and I'm just happy as I can be doing it. I love doing it. I, and, you know, I got a real relationship with my clients now. I never had that when I was in criminal law. Like I said, I got people that, um, I got ladies that bake me cookies. Uh, they bring me gifts. I got a gentleman that brings me <laughs> bottles of CBD oil every couple of months. And, um, you know, and I get to talk to them. I see them in Walmart. We shoot the breeze. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a wonderful practice. And I've never had, you know, I never, up till now, up till starting to do this, I never experienced having this relationship with folks. And one of the things that makes me very humbled is that I'll have a client sometime, they'll be talking to me, and I can tell when they sit down and talk that they're a little apprehensive. You know, coming to a lawyer's office is probably a little intimidating. I try to keep that, you know, as much to a minimum as possible. But, you know, there's, and I can tell they're a little bit tight when we get talking. And I remember talking to this one gentleman one time. He was older than me. And he was a little reluctant. You know, his answers were kind of short, kind of yes or no with not much explanation. But by the end of the hour or so meeting we had, we were conversing quite a bit. And he said something to the end of the meeting that I'll never forget because he's not the only one that have said it. But he said, he said, you're, you're, you're just like a real guy. (laughs) And uh, I, I appreciate that. And I said, you know what? I am a real guy. And I want you to feel free to talk to me. And don't worry, you know, I don't, when we do this trust planning and all this estate planning, you know, everything we do is like a flat fee. I don't charge by the hour. So I want you to encourage you to talk to me. And if you feel like, okay, if I call Stan or if I email him, I'm going to get a bill for 0.2 hours, right? No, it doesn't work that way. I answer questions. I answer emails. I offer my time freely. I urge you to take advantage of it. Uh, I'm more than happy to address. You know, how do I know how I could charge you for anything? Until I know what's going on and whether or not I can help you. That's my philosophy. So, um, all right, listen, we're coming up on break number two. When I come back, I'm going to kind of put the finishing touches on me and just tell what's going to come up, and we're going to uh, pick it up then. So I will see you right after the break. Did you know that 70% of Americans age 65 or older will need some form of long-term care in their lives? And even more frightening, 7 out of 10 people who go into long-term care will become completely impoverished within one year. It doesn't need to be that way. You do not need to go broke in the nursing home. Call Prochowski Estate Law to learn how you can protect your life savings and hard-earned property from the high cost of long-term care. Call me at 931-363-7222. 
a fun event to take the family to, Harmon Scrap Metal is hosting an Easter egg hunt on April 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Woodland Park in the Fallen Heroes Shelter. This will be fun for the whole family. We will have food trucks, prizes, and photos with the Easter Bunny. Come on out and support local. Start times vary by age. Visit our Facebook page, Harmon Scrap Metal, for more information. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram thanks St. Jude Children's Hospital for their admirable work. We are committing to their cause of providing quality care to families in need at no cost to them by donating $150 for every new vehicle sold. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is proud to partner with St. Jude for the fourth consecutive year. If you are currently in the market for a new vehicle, visit the team in-store or shop online at Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia.net to help families protect what matters most. You can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager at Columbia Ace Hardware. We have changed our store hours to better serve our community. Columbia Ace Hardware is now open from 7 to 7, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 4 on Saturday, and closed on Sunday. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard and let us show you customer service that can only be found at Columbia Ace Hardware. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. All right. Hey, welcome back from the break. You are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning with your host, Estate Plan Stan. All right. We're going to get back into it here in the third segment of the show. And uh, in the first and second segment, I was just telling you a little bit about me. I was going to wrap that up. I kind of gave you my history what I did for a living before going to practicing law and my second career in practicing law, which I do now. I don't anticipate a third one, so that's good. At least that's what my wife says. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, okay, so I've been practicing law now for about uh, 20 years, been doing this estate planning for about eight, 10, including my overlap, but, uh, uh, but let's say eight years now. And this is all I do. This is all I do. Now, uh, as far as accolades go, I mean, I have a ton of experience. We, uh, you know, I belong to some of the legal organizations that 
are helpful in this kind of stuff, like the Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, the uh, uh, Medicaid planning, um, uh, um, Medicaid uh, certified planners, uh, the Association of Special Need Planners, um, Elder Council, <clears throat> Elder Co- or Elder College, and um, uh, several other things that, w- that we you – know, sources of knowledge. And, you know, so I've been doing this a long time. I've been very successful at it. You know, when we do these uh, 10 care applications, one of the things we do is get people eligible for 10 care, not by spending all their money until they're broke. We – Keep their assets. You know, we you get to you get to keep your lifelong wealth, and then still get your you know get the state of Tennessee to pay for your nursing home bill because that's what's necessary. That's what's required by the statute, and that you're entitled to that. So that's what we help people do. And we have I have never been unsuccessful in getting somebody eligible. Every case I've ever taken on has resulted in eligibility, and we've been 100 percent successful at these fair hearings when things have to go to appeal. So um, that's a big deal. It's something we're very proud of. So, all right, listen, I'm going to, you know, the last part of the show here, I'm going to go over a couple of things and, you know, these are just sort of rhetorical. So I'll ask a couple of questions. You maybe you can put yourself in the place of what I'm, I'm getting at. And that's, um, you know, it's like, you know, if you're going to listen to a show about estate planning, you know, so if you're tuned in to Bulletproof Estate Planning, you think you're going to listen to it every Saturday night at seven o'clock for a while. I mean, I, you sort of have to ask yourself a question. Why are you listening to it? Why are you listening to this show today? Well, I'm going to suggest some reasons why you may be listening to an estate planning show. Uh, I mean, I'll suggest some, but your your reasons might be different. You know, but, you know, you know are you listening because you want to have the, this total assurance and you want to have, have the comfort of knowing that your family is going to be taken care of if anything would happen to you, right? I mean, who's going to take care of your spouse or your family? You know, who's going to raise your minor children if you have them? You know, how how would they be taken care of, for that matter? I mean, that might be a re- that might be a reason why you're listening. You know, you might also be listening because uh, you, you know you want to know what's going to happen to your assets. I mean, I call it your stuff. Okay, your wealth. You know, your your what's going to happen to your wealth after death? I mean, each of us, we've spent a lifetime accumulating our wealth, right? Or like I said, what I like to call your stuff. And my place is polluted with it. I got stuff everywhere. I mean, what's going to happen to all of it? What's going to happen to all my stuff? Who's going to get it? When will they get it? And you know, maybe even under what circumstances will they get it? And I also want to place in this category of what's going to happen to my stuff is: Can I protect it? Can I protect my assets from future creditors of mine? Can I protect it from my kids' creditors if they're in trouble, legal trouble? Can I protect it from uh, their lawsuits, long-term health care? Uh, you know, can I divorce-proof it when I leave it to my children? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people can relate to that, right? Uh, I mean, okay, oh, so are you listening to an estate planning show because you want to make sure that you don't have to pay these, uh, uh, pay estate taxes, at least pay them unnecessarily? You know, I won't spend a whole lot of time talking about estate taxes because um, they're pretty high. They've gone up over the last several years. And, um, you know, now they're as high as uh, $12.06 million per person or twice that for a married couple. But, uh, you know, if you have a business or something, it's not too inconceivable that you could get into that kind of a net worth. And if you do, if you do exceed the 12.06 as a single person or the $24.12 million at death, you know, you're looking at a 40% estate tax. And that's pretty healthy. So, you know, you might be concerned about that. You know, that may be a reason why you're listening. 
Or maybe you're listening because you want to make sure that you are going to be taken care of. That, you know, the good decisions are going to be made for you. You know, perhaps if you become incapacitated, right? If you become incapacitated, who's going to make your quality of, of life decisions? I mean, before they can make a quality of life decision, do they even know what you consider to be an, an acceptable or unacceptable quality of life? What about long-term care? I mean, what about if you get stuck in a nursing home um, and you want to, you know, are you going to bleed to death financially at $9,000 a month? And that's only, that's what it is now. That's only going to go up. So these are all good reasons to be listened to estate planning. Like I said, in the very first part of the segment, there's a whole lot more to estate planning. So, but here's, here's something important I want to tell you. If you're listening for any of those reasons, you know, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my stuff? Will my family have to pay taxes? What's going to happen to me if I'm incapacitated or end up in a nursing home? Then you are listening for the right reasons because that's what we talk about over the next several weeks. We're going to learn all about that. We're going to have the peace of mind of knowing that you made the right decision during this, your lifetime so that after your death or even during life for some of these uh, long-term care issues, um, things are going to be as easy as possible for your loved ones that have to deal with this. So now one thing to keep in mind, here's a big takeaway from what I'm talking about right now. All those things that I just mentioned, all of them, all those decisions, they're all going to be made. The question is, who's going to make them? Okay. Who's going to make this? You know, will it be you now during life when you've got the soundness of mind and the clarity of thought to do it? Or are these decisions going to be made by somebody in the courthouse who doesn't know you, doesn't know what is important to you, doesn't know your values or your morals, uh, but I'm telling you, they're going to be made. One way or the other, they're going to get made. So I contend that you know anybody would rather have them make them themselves, have their stuff go where they want it to, where it's going to do the best good for their family, uh, that sort of thing. So you know, and you can um, when you to do this to do estate planning is the only way to make sure that what gets done is what is important to you. And keep in mind that. Any planning you do now, typically, I mean, other than long-term planning during your life, it's not really for you. It's for the people you love. And you want to make sure that you take care of the people you love. You know, and that's a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. Now, that's a little bit different from the uh, long-term care end of it. That's in a category all by itself. But uh, that'll become obvious when we get around to talk to that. So, all right, listen, I just got a few minutes uh, left. I want, to, I want to let you know that I do have one of these seminars that I do. I do these free educational seminars. Uh, pretty regular. We go all different counties and all different places. I've got two coming up that I can tell you about. I've got one coming up on April the 22nd. Okay. That is a Saturday. We don't do, I don't do them often on Saturdays, but seems like I'm doing more. But anyway, it's going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning. And the name of this seminar is called Wills, Trust, and the Nursing Home, right? <laughs> we used to call it How Not to Go Broke in the Nursing Home, but I modified the title. But Wills, Trust, and the Nursing Home, and that's what we talk about. And you'll get a Reader's Digest version of it, of what we're going to talk about over weeks at my seminar. But that's on April 22nd. That's going to be in Lawrenceburg at the uh, WLX Radio Country Cafe <clears throat> building right there behind the, uh, the radio station. Uh, so if you want to go to that, you can call me at RSVP. The next one we're going to do actually is up in Columbia. And uh, it's not at the place we normally are in Columbia. It's going to be um, uh, May the uh, 24th. And that's going to be at uh, the address is 410 West 7th Street. Uh, that's a church meeting house that we've been invited to. 
And that's all, that was going to be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's on a Wednesday. So if you want to know more about that, you can call me and get on the RSVP list, and we'll, we'll give you the directions and the time. So listen, I'm about out of time, and it's been a pleasure to be here on 101.7 WKOME Radio for the first time. Uh, if, you, if what you heard this week has piqued your interest, well, then I'm glad. I mean, that's my mission is to get this message out. When it comes to estate planning, the message is you have options. You have lots and lots of options. So if you have any questions about your own circumstances, I'm more than happy to take the time to answer. Just give me a call at my office at 931-363-7222 or go to my website, which is estateplanstand.com. There you can see my events calendar and get my phone number. Listen, doing nothing has a predictable result. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy doing it. And I'll be back with another episode of Bulletproof Estate Planning next Saturday night at 7 o'clock. And I am... Estate Plan Stan, see you next week. Murray County Volunteer Firefighters provide fire and rescue services to Murray County residents like you. I'm Savannah Madison, Public Information Officer with Murray County Fire. Our department serves over 600 square miles, and as a volunteer department, we rely on community donations to operate. You can also support by joining our department. We help you obtain the certifications to become a support member or firefighter. Learn more about making a tax-deductible donation or becoming a firefighter at murraycountyfiretn.org. That's murraycountyfiretn.org. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Adult education in Tennessee, it's more than just a diploma. It's a path to a better life. It's a way to help you communicate more effectively. From high school equivalency classes and testing to English as a second language and college prep courses, there's no shortage of opportunities to enhance the lives of you and your family. Adult education in Tennessee, it's more than just a diploma. Go to TNWorkReady.com to unlock your maximum potential. Brought to you by Tennessee Adult Education, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Ah, fun is in full bloom, Tennessee, and the multiplier instant games are buzzing in. These colorful tickets offer chances to multiply your wins 10, 20, 50, and even 100 times. It's a beautiful day for bigger and bigger prizes, and they're right for the picking right now. Find the Multiplier Instant Games today at your nearest Tennessee Lottery retailer. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. 
Tennessee's natural sounds come alive in the spring. There's the bark of the red fox. The growl of the American black bear. The hoot of the great horned owl. And what's this? All right! Oh my! It's the howling of a Tennessee lottery player who's just won big. Heed the call to top prizes of up to $500,000 when you play the all-new Instant Games this spring. Find them at your nearest Tennessee lottery retailer today. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Hey, this is Brenda Lynn Allen, and you are tuned in to 101.7 FM 